Good morning, everyone. It is the 18th of July. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne. Equity markets remain volatile as the corporate reporting season kicked off, while government bonds put in a better performance. The price of oil tipped just below $100 a barrel, despite OPEC's forecast that soaring demand next year could test their own production capacity limits. The US dollar enjoyed another week of strong gains, hitting parity with the euro for the first time in 20 years. Inflation, though, continues to dominate the headlines, and the US CPI inflation figure for June came in higher than expected, Alex. Morning, Lorna. Indeed, those looking for inflation to peak in the US were left disappointed as 9.1% inflation was recorded against an expectation of 8.8 and a figure of 8.6 last month, a 40-year high. The number was pushed higher by ever-increasing energy and food prices. The core number, which excludes these factors, gravely came down to 5.9% from 6 last month, but still ahead of expectations of 57 there is a chance some respite comes shortly given oil's recent drop in financial markets. We just need to see that come through now to consumers. Contrary to this, what is really worrying is the broadening of the inflation picture, shown by the stubbornly high core inflation number. Yes, and where does that leave the Federal Reserve now? So the breadth of the price increase will greatly worry the Fed. The supply story shows a little sign of subsiding. Pressures on the Fed to establish its inflation-busting credentials by putting the brakes on demand to match this lower supply picture. Previously, a 75 basis point rise had been expected and agreed. Perhaps a more pronounced 100 basis points of rise is needed to get to that destination quicker, as was shown by the Bank of Canada last week. This would put the overall rate at 2.75%. That leaves only 100 basis points from where most expect peak rates to be at. More and more commentators and economists now suggesting a more aggressive rise is needed now to allow for better assessment in the fourth quarter. Yes, the Fed is still treading a very fine line there. But the market's other obsession currently is growth, and we saw China's GDP data for the second quarter. That's right. The Q2 number slowed sharply. From 4.8% in Q1, it was expected to drop to 1.2%, but missed even that significantly lower target, with growth just 0.4%, narrowly missing contraction and the lowest number since COVID's initial outbreak two years ago. Clearly, the strict lockdowns in multiple major cities, major financial and industrial centres, such as Shanghai, had more of an expected impact on the economy. Making matters worse, the data showed little to no improvement in the property sector, a drive around 20% of Chinese GDP, anecdotal reports, of multiple households' refusal to pay mortgage payments or a developer's failure to complete construction also did little to help sentiment in the sector. Indeed, and does this dip now put China's annual growth target in doubt? The Q2 number does potentially put China's coveted annual target out of reach somewhat, with an increasing number of analysts downgrading forecasts to this effect. This will be the first time this has happened. The 5.5% target only now really achievable with considerable stimulus, both fiscal and monetary policy. The unknown is also how much effect the continued adoption of COVID-0 policy will have on future lockdowns in Q3 and Q4. Yes, all that for the future. But near term, though, the week ahead looks busy. Friday brings flash or early PMI data from the major economies, widely expected to be moderating after last month's drops. The Bank of Japan will meet with no change in policy expected there. But we do have this key meeting for the European Central Bank. We've been led to expect a 25 basis points hike for July, but that is not all we should be looking out for, is it, Alex? 
No, so the ECB meets on Thursday. The expectation is that the bank will begin raising rates. This is the first time in a decade, clearly lagging significantly behind other Western counterparts. There's no shortage of news surrounding the ECB's decision, however. The euro's flotation with dollar parity, the threat of Draghi's resignation in Italy, all the latest inflation figures on Tuesday, where the market expected the peak number to reach 8.6%, the exact same as last month. Marks will be watching the meeting and press conference closely, looking for indications of a larger hike at the September meeting. Yes, indeed. And we've also been promised a plan to prevent the fragmentation of the European government bond markets. Yeah, the press conference should give us some insight into this. It's a bit of a minefield, potentially very difficult for the ECB to achieve and implement, but they want to try to stop individual country yields from spiralling too high. The point around all these disparate economies causing ongoing issues for management at the ECB is something we've noted for a long time now. And after the European gas price doubled in the last week or so, we will watch with interest whether the Nord Stream gas pipeline from Russia into Europe, currently closed for maintenance, gets turned back on again as promised. It was a matter of time really before Russia began to look at ways of weaponising that fuel supply into Europe. It has to be seen as something of a warning shot for key European nations before we head into the winter months. Some, such as Germany, may need to have a very sobering look internally to see where their priorities lie, whether that be in industry, its civilians, or towards supporting Ukraine. The gas has been promised to be turned on on the 21st, but we shall see. But the fact that this is happening at all must be very concerning for all those involved. Thank you, Alex, very much indeed. Thank you, Lola.